Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is supported by Golden Artist Colors, manufacturing in upstate New York, Golden Acrylics, Williamsburg Oils, and more recently, Core Watercolors, an employee-owned company committed to producing the highest quality materials while maintaining a culture of stewardship and community involvement. I've been using Golden for over 20 years, and I swear by it. For more information about Golden Artist Colors, visit them online at goldenpaints.com. Ryan Schneider is an artist born in Indianapolis, Indiana, and received his BFA from the Maryland Institute College of Art. His recent solo exhibitions include Split Spirits at Over the Influence in Los Angeles, No Filter Eden at V1 Gallery in Copenhagen, Mojave Masks at the Schneider Museum of Art in Ashland, Oregon, and Mojave Pictures at Tamor Grain Gallery in New York. Recent group exhibitions include Hope and Hazard, a comedy of Eros curated by Eric Fischel at the Hall Art Foundation in Reading, Vermont, Rise and Shine at Over the Influence in Hong Kong, The Birds with V1 Gallery at the Chart Art Fair in Copenhagen, and Natural Selection at the Hole Gallery in New York City. After many years in New York City, Ryan now lives and works in Joshua Tree, California. His work is held in public and private collections worldwide, including the Hall Art Foundation and the Bank of America Collection. He's been reviewed or featured in Juxtapose, The New Yorker, Art in America, The New York Times, Modern Painters, The Brooklyn Rail, Art Info, Artsy, and The Paris Review, among many other publications. I spoke with Ryan for a chat about everything from punk rock to carving art out of wood. Here's our conversation. Good. I can hear you. You can hear me, and hopefully, the recording works, and we're in business. Huh? Yeah. Listen, buddy. <laughs> my face pixelated is is better than the original. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see you, though. It's been so Likewise. long. Likewise, man. It's been a long time. I, you know, I was thinking about it today a lot, and I thought, you know, recently, like I've been talking to a lot of people that I just don't know. Like I I get to know their work or whatever, and it's cool. You meet online. Mm-hmm. It's different than being in person. But like when I first yep. started this, I talked to a lot of people I know because that's just the easiest people to, to, to get on the horn or like to go visit and talk yeah. to. And it's been a while since it's been someone from back. So I'm excited to and honestly relaxed about talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I did zero yeah, research, good. buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you didn't need to, you know. You... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know. No, it's, it's, it's good, man. I mean, I listen to the podcast. And uh, I, I like it a lot. And, um, you know, I listen to podcasts in my studio while I work. So, um, and I, I haven't, yeah, I think this is my first, oh, no, I've been interviewed on one other art podcast. But I think this is my first one. So, like, it's the first one in, in quite a few years. Yeah. So, so I'm honored to be on. Well, uh, it's nice to have you. It's it's funny, man. Podcasts have been around for a while, right? <laughs> yeah. It's it's yeah, funny, but it's I, like what did what did we do before 
like I remember listening to NPR in my studio all day back in Bushwick. Oh, and yeah. then when podcasts came out, it was like, holy shit, like Serial, the first one I was, I got into. And um, now it's like, I'm just podcasts. I like consume them at an alarming rate. I'm just always looking for more podcasts. I don't think there's enough podcasts, even though there's like thousands of them. I mean, they, and, get, re- they get really niche too. Like you could find anything yeah, on anything. I know. I mean, I, I do the, I do a lot of the like paranormal and yeah. like, like last, last podcast on the left is my favorite, even though it's so fucking stupid and immature. It makes, <laughs> it makes me laugh. I don't know if you listen to it. It just makes me laugh so I much. Haven't. And, um, it's really funny. And it's like three comedians talking about like murders and serial killers and ghosts and aliens and, all that kind of paranormal stuff and and they they just are are like hilarious but that they're talking good. about interesting stuff too anyhow but um yeah but now i'm just like my friends and i are always texting each other like what what podcast should i listen to today you know because everybody's got a few that they listen to that you haven't heard of yet yeah, it's nice when you yeah. haven't heard one in a while and you find one and there's a back catalog because then you can mine mm-hmm. it, you know? That's kind of fun. Yeah. It's like uh, when you used back in the day, you used to go to a record store and get an album based on the cover art and it was really oh, good. Yeah. And you're like, oh, oh man, I, like Fella Cootie, I don't know who that guy is. Now I have a whole yeah. bunch of stuff to listen to. Oh, man, <laughs> I know. I, I feel like these last few months, I've been waxing nostalgic about that kind of stuff so much like and to my wife dana i'm just always like sort of stream of consciousness talking to her we've been cooped up at it here in this house uh for like five months now (laughs) so she's sick of me um in my talking but i keep being yeah the other day i think about that i was like god i used to just go into a record store in indianapolis where i grew up there was one like punk record store where you could find like punk and indie rock stuff and hardcore music. And it's called missing link records. And, um, I would just go in and like flip through the records and the seven inches. And, but you know, sometimes I would have, I would be looking for something specific and other times I'd just be like, I just like the way this looks. Yeah. I just buy it, you know? And, and it, some of those records I bought based on the cover art are things I still listen to. Like, 20 years later you know it's crazy right yeah yeah those so days funny are gone. i wonder like how do kids pick music now like how do you i mean i feel like the old person saying that but like i would my friends and i would go to shows i mean i was like heavy into the punk scene and the the diy scene in indianapolis so we'd go to a show and there'd be like three bands like one you were going to see and then two you'd never heard of that were from some other city in the Midwest, like Columbus or Ann Arbor or Louisville. And you would just like hear the band. You'd be like, holy fuck, that's awesome. And you'd buy the seven inch for like two bucks. Right. And then maybe a year later they'd come out with an LP. And, you know, it was just like kind of like, you had to be out there looking for it, you know? And now it's like, geez, it's just in your face all the time. 
Well, I think that's it. People <laughs> just find it comes at you. You don't have to like yeah. dig for it, you know? Yeah. I mean, now I'm it's, like that. It's sifting, you know, you just have to sift through all of it instead of yeah. like go dig for the stuff. It's almost like di- being yeah. filled in a room full of diamonds and dirt and you just have to sift it out. You know, we used to have to go like, yeah. into a cave or something and, and dig around. I for know. A while I know. And I mean, I would like, if, if I had heard like anyone else at school talking about a band, I would not listen to it. Like the only, <laughs> the only, only music I would listen to would be some like a band like when I was like 15, 16, 17, like a band that maybe like a thousand people were into. That's what my, my buddy and I, my best friend was here visiting a couple months ago. We, we were talking about this because he was, we were in the music scene together. and We were talking about like Billie Eilish and I like Billie Eilish and how, how so much of it is about her clothes and her just like image. And it's like a whole, aesthetic package yeah and the music is good too but it's almost not as not that important it's more about her and like what she is and she's like a really interesting being but um we were talking about how like you know we used to be really into this band hoover and like i know they were like a dc band they were on discord records and we worshiped this fucking band man it was like our whole world us and all our friends was about Hoover and we were talking about like Billie Eilish and then versus Hoover. Like, and we realized like, God, they probably only had like maybe 20,000 people knew who that band was, Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but in, in, at the time you're like, everyone in your world knows who this band is. But in reality, hardly like everyone in the world knows Billie Eilish literally everyone in the world knows it. So it's just a funny, um, I don't know what I'm, it's just a funny comparison, you know? Yeah. Well, information, like the music is information in a way and it gets out there so much easier now, but yeah, I mean, college radio was like the only, or like indie rock radio was the only way to find that stuff or local shows. Like you you said, people come through, you know, where did you grow up again? In Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Oh, Don Caballero. Yeah, um, Do you know uh, Ian's a friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Those I used guys. to see those oh, guys shit. and Hurl. Do you remember Hurl? They used to play with them too from Pittsburgh. I don't know. I didn't know Hurl. Yeah, they were. It was like a Pittsburgh math rock kind of like indie scene. You know, just like I most. Still, times. yeah. I, I still listen to. I just made a sculpture and showed it in 2020 that was is called what burns never returns oh nice that's a great <laughs> record <laughs> and it's because the sculptures all burnt you know i've been like burning them with this with a torch um yeah and anyway but don caballero like i got to see them one time but it was like it was it's still like burned into my brain how fucking amazing it was yeah, and you probably lost um, some of your hearing too from that one. They were so yeah, loud. Just like watching the drummer, with that, whatever that guy, dude. That was just—he's a monster. It, yeah, I saw them in Baltimore when I was in my at Micah at school. What year was and, that? Um, uh, I was in Micah from 1998 to 2002. I probably saw them in 98 or 99. 
at the auto bar in Baltimore. Nice. And, um, you know, it was a tiny room. There were probably like 50 people there, but me and all my, my friends, my little art school crew, we were all into that band heart big time. Yeah. So it was pretty amazing. I got to see some, I mean, I know we're not, we're, we're going to start talking about art soon, I'm sure. But like, I was just thinking the other day, like I saw the white stripes like five times before they were anybody. Like yeah. I saw them in Baltimore with like five other people in the room, I think. And then I saw them in Bloomington, Indiana, when their first big record came out that everybody loved and whatever that one was called. And maybe there was like maybe a hundred people there. It's crazy, right? And yeah, now it's like, it's just, it's just you know, it's, I, I mean, we're all, you know, it's like our generation. We're all, we're this funny, gener interesting generation that started with what I was talking about, where you were buying a seven inch of a band you just saw that you had never heard of before. Versus now where like whatever we want is at our fingertips at all times through our phones that we keep in our pockets. And we've just like sort of rolled through that. We're like that generation that we, you know, we know that we know, we know the difference between the two things. Like we've experienced the whole gamut. Yeah, no, <laughs> I agree. I think we, they should call us like the bridge generation or something. Like we've uh -huh. crossed that river. It's a weird it's, kind of before after. And I think we were cognizant in both areas. Like some really yeah. old people might have been, you know, like I feel like we were kind of in our prime during that big shift. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's what it's like. Yeah. I saw the white stripes like in a room with five people. And now kids in high school now probably listen to Jack White and love it. He's like, you get to see that we've gotten to see that evolution of, of certain things. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Makes you um, feel old. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. But it, it's also, it's also kind of cool, you know, it's really by the cool. time, you know, like I can't imagine, you know, we don't have, I don't have children yet, but I, if I did, I can I can only imagine like in 10 years when that kid started getting into music and stuff, how are they going to be consuming it? I wonder, is it just going to be like random songs just blasting it through your headphones at all times, but it's that something else chooses for you and you're just, you know, cause that's almost what Spotify is at this point, just choosing music for you. And it does a fucking good job. Cause I, I'll just put Spotify on like a band. I like, I'll put it on like a channel and I'll discover so much good shit that I never would have heard. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have a 13 year old son who is in plays oh. music. He's in a band. And I remember you know. when he was like five and he was like keeping you up all night or maybe yeah. even he was younger. Probably wow, he's 13 now. Yeah, That's I know. amazing. It's a time flies, but yeah, they, it's different. <laughs> like the way they get music, it's through other things too. Like he'll watch video game or play video games and music's included oh, yeah. into that. And, 
Wow. You know, like I came into, like he was pumped up because there was uh Travis Scott was doing a virtual performance on Fortnite, you know? So like they're in, it's integrated into technology. What? Yeah, I know. That's so weird. And, it, and I watched it and it was pretty cool. <laughs> so but it's like, just, that's it's the kind of thing you know? I didn't even know existed, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't have either, but you know, that's the, well, one of the joys <laughs> of parenthood is it exposes you to some stuff that, you know, right. you might not have checked out or done before right right okay i, I well, like that we've we kind of navigated a bit of your past through music which is kind of fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well music has always been a huge part of my life but now nowadays i mean it it's not as it's weird it's not as much of a huge i listen to music like every day but it used to be this thing that I was just obsessed with, you know, mm-hmm. finding it and, and um, going to shows. And, you know, I was thinking about that too with, um, who was I talking to? I was talking about, maybe I'm trying to bring this to art. Um, who the fuck was I talking to? But Oh, I have, so out here in the desert, I have like, you know, I'm in California. So I have a few friends that are actors and I find that actors like I like hanging out with actors for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> like they're the ones, at least I, I'm sure this is not true at all across the board, but the ones I have become friends with are like really unpretentious and kind of like just really funny and fun to be around, you know, I'm sure yeah. there's, you know, anyway, a little bit different than, than hanging out with artists because other artists, it's like, you know, even if they're your close friend, there's there's always this, you're always kind of like mining each other for information or talking about your latest thing. And I don't know, like with an actor and an artist, there's no, you have really no crossover. So you yeah. just sort of, the guard is down. And um, I was talking to my friend who's an actor, um, a very good one about like what kind of stuff he likes to watch. Cause I'll be talking to him about all these movies and TV shows on Netflix or HBO. Like, did you see that? He's like, no, no, I haven't seen that. <laughs> <laughs> and be, he'll, well, even one show he was like, yeah, I read for the part of the so-and-so on that show and I didn't get it. I'm like, Oh man, it's such a good show, but you would have been, it would have been so much better if you were on it. But then I'm like, so what do you, he's like, yeah, I just like watch the criterion collection. And I'm like, oh, interesting. He's like, I just watch classic movies where I don't know anyone in the movie. And it's it's like 50 years old and I can just like enjoy it and, and enjoy the craft of it and kind of geek out. And I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, honestly, like nowadays with art, it's like what I look at more than anything is like petroglyphs and like cave paintings. <laughs> <laughs> and like, like, woven you know like navajo weaving or or um you know totems like carved totems or african art you know it's like i don't sit around um scouring the internet for work by all the most current artists you know what i mean like i feel like i i know what i know some of it maybe i know a lot of it but i don't i don't i don't know i don't i just don't Sometimes I see something and it really blows me away. But 
if I'm going to seek out art, it's usually by someone that's been dead for like hundreds or thousands. It, it may be years even. Yeah. I wonder if that, it's kind of like a parallel you're talking about to music too, though, right? It's kind of like, I wonder if at a certain age, people just kind of, I know you lock in and you look back more than you're so worried. Because like when we were in our 20s, we're like, all right, what's a new record coming out? Who are the artists that we're looking at or who's showing here? Or, you know, who's yeah, playing? Yeah, yeah. And then at a certain point, it's almost like you feel like your influence and your inspiration, I don't know, whatever that bone is in your body almost like fills up in a way and that sounds kind of like lame like yeah. arrested development but i don't think it is i think it's just mm. really start to enjoy you know how that adage of like as you get older people just get more into history you start to look back yeah. and, and appreciate yeah. what led up to now and maybe that just yeah. starts to happen you know yeah i mean i also think it's um like with instagram you know speaking of being old it's like do you remember when you used to have to like get your work photographed by someone and right. then send slides if a gallery asked you for slides yeah. or, or, or even just if they would be like, send us JPEGs, you know? I mean, I remember mailing photographs of my work to James Fuentes gallery in like night 2003. He asked me, Yeah, yeah. he asked me, for images. And I was like, I don't have a computer. I still didn't have a computer back then. And he's um, like, Oh, just mail me some photos. And he like returned them. I mean, it, it, and nowadays it's just like, literally galleries are like hitting you up on your DMS and your Instagram. Oh, what are you working on? And you just send like a few shots and they're like, Oh, great. Want to do something? <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, know, not, it's that it's always, not that it's always that easy, but I mean, <clears throat> it's really, or they don't even ask you. They just look at your Instagram on their phone and they're like, yeah, this looks good. Look, you want to do something? Can I come yeah. to your studio? I mean, it's pretty amazing. And, it but it, it, it's also as an artist, it's like, I do, you know, I'm on Instagram a fair amount, like we all are. And so I feel like I have a good handle on what my friends are up to and, you know, uh, you know, art, what's popular, what, what's being shown, what shows are up at the moment um, around the world. And, you know, and that's great, but I don't know. I mean, if uh, what really inspires me nowadays is just stuff that's like super handmade and, yeah. and crude almost, you know, like um, there's a, there's a guy in my, in Joshua tree where I live, this guy, Tony Suarez, who's like, he's like a dude, you know, but he makes these amazing pots and all traditional um, Native American methods, like old, old, old school stuff. Like he'll go out to this dry lake bed and dig the clay up. And then he's got all these different ways to fire stuff in his, um, at his house. And I mean, I can go over to his place and just like trip out on, what he's doing. He doesn't know anything about the contemporary art world or care to know about it, you know, but like, yeah. so there's none of that pretense. Like we'll talk about, he also flints, uh, he makes like arrowheads, you know, like he, it's called flint napping. Maybe he's he'll like find stones out in the desert, like different kinds of petrified wood or, or obsidian and he'll like flint it into a perfect, beautiful arrowhead, you know, 
that really inspires me. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's it's very much like the craft of it, right? It's the sort of the making part of it. Not a, yeah. I mean, ceramics deals with that a lot, where there's this duality where a lot of ceramicists just feel like that craft and that object, and they're not really worried about it as being this, you know, fine art or in the gallery context necessarily. Yeah, it's yeah, more yeah. about that process of doing it. You know, I mean, yeah. that's is that did that hit you hard? Because, I mean, I imagine the big shift in your life is coming from, you know, coming from Indiana and then going to Micah and then to New York and being yeah. in all those areas. And then, then I remember when you told us, you know, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm going to the desert, you know, and that's a, yeah. big, that's a big break. We're like, Whoa, he's splitting, you know, and yeah. uh, did obviously your surroundings change your ability, like studio wise, different kind of space than the space you had in Brooklyn. You know what I mean? Like, cause there's, yeah. just a different way, a different light, a different pace, a, you know, all that mm -hmm. stuff. Is that when you feel like that transition was happening? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, well, I guess, you know, real quick for those who don't know me, probably the majority of people who listen to this. Uh, yeah. I, I, I went to grew up in Indiana, uh, in Indianapolis, uh, not from a artistic home or anything like that. I, you know, that was another thing I really had to seek out uh, in Indiana um, through books and, and going to museums and going to Chicago. That was like a big deal to go to Chicago, uh, yeah. to go to the Art Institute. And then, and then I went to MICA and graduated in 2002 um, with a bunch of other great artists that you've all probably heard of. And um, then I went to New York in 2002 and uh i you know i've been a painter my whole life painting and oil i've been painting in oil since i was like 15 you know just straight up like oil on canvas and um really inspired by like matisse and picasso and bonard and a lot of just the basic painters um oscillates you know yada yada um and then i moved in 2015 my wife and I came out to Joshua tree just to get away from New York for three months. You know, I never thought I would be, I never thought I would leave New York. Yeah. I, I loved it there. I still love it, you know? Um, but we came here just to get a break for three months and, and we just fell in love with it. And, you know, just the, we, we rented a little house. It's actually only four or five doors down from the house I now own here um we rented a house and i painted outside and um and after the second month there we were like are we going back <laughs> are we going back to new york like i i had gone back uh for a solo booth at the bolta fair yeah in like what was that 2015 and i like my plane landed at jfk and the, the pilot was like congrats, you guys are the last plane landing at JFK tonight. And the blizzard just like started dumping like that moment, you know? And in the whole weekend it was like, it was like a bomb had gone off in New York. It was just, I mean, you know, and I was like, I love New York and I, I love the, the hardness of it and, and how tough you have to be and that you have to deal with the elements, et cetera. But it was, I, I was just walking around that weekend. And I was like, man, I'm kind of done with it here. Yeah. You know, like, I just, it just kind of like, 
Joshua Tree sort of chose me in a way. (laughs) I never thought I would live in the desert. Maybe I I thought maybe one day I'll live in LA because I like LA. But also when I lived in New York, I didn't really like LA really didn't make any sense to me, but I was sort of intrigued by it. Um, And now, you know, so I've been here for five years and uh, yeah, like you were saying, it's, um, it's, it was a complete change of pace and uh, just a change of, of perspective, like a change of attitude. Um, you know, it's like my life here, now I'm really used to it. But in the beginning, it was so new, you know, it was so fucking fresh and new to just like wake up every day in the sunrise and have absolute silence and just like watch the light change on the hills around me and just the feeling of the space around my head and the the horizon and just, you know, like being able to just sort of see forever. Um, (laughs) And my creative process began to be really intertwined with the natural world and the natural elements. Um, as time went on, because if you live here, you are, your life is, is, um, affected by the weather every single day, yeah. every, every season. So, um, or, or just other natural things. Um, so that really started to have a big effect on my work and, and the subject matter and the things I was interested in. And I found myself more and more becoming interested in um, subjects that weren't the things that were more like in the ether. You know what I mean? Like yeah. things that were more like um, sensed around me, maybe rather than seen. And, um, yeah, you know, and like my work when I moved here, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 40 years old and I'm, I'm still, I feel like I just discovered something that I'm extremely comfortable with, uh, you know, and, and, and it's, so like getting to Joshua Tree was really a surprise and really unexpected and totally unplanned. And then I went through a lot of different phases of painting here. You know, I made, I would say like uh, probably a, at least like seven or eight distinct bodies of work and had shows in all over, you know, in Europe and New York, um, L.A., uh, and then last year, I really like in 2018, I really started to get like, I, I was get, getting really frustrated with, with painting and I was feeling like, um, I was having sort of an identity crisis and I I was getting kind of psyched out because I was watching, this is like, Maybe this is too honest, but fuck it, I don't care. I was watching I was watching some younger artists, not even that much younger, but get like really famous and popular doing stuff that I was doing back in like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and nobody mm-hmm. gave a fuck. Like yeah. still life, 
You know, I remember when I showed some still life and people were just like, like you're painting a still life. What the fuck are you doing? You know? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I just, I just feel it. You know, like, I don't, it's just, I love Bernard and um, I'm just sort of, this is what I'm interested in. And it was a really sincere kind of interest and <laughs> painting nudes and whatever. So I was watching that happen and, and being like, wow, like, maybe I, should I be doing that again? And it would just became, um, I sort of feel just bored and, and kind of trapped and like I kind of painted myself into a corner and I was trying all this different stuff and I started using these pigment sticks, which these RNF pigment sticks, which are amazing. They're like pure pigment and you're kind of like drawing with it. Yeah. And uh, so I wasn't really even using a brush anymore. <clears throat> and I was making these really thick, thick, like I was using like, wow, two or $3,000 worth of these sticks on one painting, you know, cause they're really expensive. It was yeah. kind of crazy. I was sort of spinning out and, and nothing was really satisfying me that much. And then um, this gallery I work with in Copenhagen called V1, one of the owners um, just texted me one day and was like, hey, have you ever thought about making sculptures? And I was like, mm, I've thought about it, but I've never, I've never done it, you know? And, um, but I, I totally had thought about it and specifically wood sculptures when we moved out here. I mean, I'd seen the Basilitz wood sculptures and really loved them. And then I remember seeing Gauguin, this Gauguin show at MoMA <clears throat> that had like all these obscure works of his, like lithographs and prints and these wood sculptures he did, which were fucking mind blowing. Those are crazy. And just, they were just like, whoa, this dude was tapped into some dark spirit stuff happening like you know some he was tapped into something and, and that was years ago that was like 10 or 12 years ago but anyway the, the guys from v1 were like well we just saw this picasso sculpture show we just thought ryan would make some cool wood sculptures I mean, why don't you try some and i'm like yeah okay i'll do that and didn't went back to just working <laughs> on paintings and then they asked again and i was like yeah, yeah, I'm going to try some. And they're like, okay, good. We're going to show them in August uh, at this art fair. So, like, before I had even made one, they were asked, they wanted to show them. And That's pretty that great. Really, they had the vision. I mean, yeah, they're they're amazing guys, and they really, um, they just had faith. I don't know. They just had an in intuition or something, I guess. And so I went out and bought a little chainsaw from Home Depot, a little electric chainsaw and um my buddy dan anderson who's an amazing artist amazing sculptor uh he's like a real real craftsman with wood um so i'm lucky to be tight with him and you know i went over to his studio here he lives here in joshua tree <laughs> and he gave me some wood and sort of like gave me some pointers, you know, he sort of told, showed me a few things with the, how, to, how to use a chainsaw, but I essentially just talked, you know, just went home with this block of wood, a couple of blocks of wood he'd given me and just started hacking away with this chainsaw. And if you don't know anything about chainsaws, um, electric chainsaws kind of suck. Okay. You need the but ones I, where the you... Time, 
the gas pulled need, ones, right? You need a gas powered, yeah. So, but this one I had was really tiny little electric one, and I was cutting away with it. You know, I was cutting things, and I was playing around with this piece of wood, and I just kind of was like, man, this is stupid. Like, why did I even think I could do this? This looks like shit. And I, I, I kind of gave up in my mind, and then, it, like, at that moment, I could see something in this piece of wood. <laughs> and I just started cutting more. And, and, you know, like, eventually I had something. I had, like, a form that I thought was really interesting and, and cool. And and then I just looked at my paint sticks, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll paint it. You know? <laughs> so yeah. I started paint, painting it really simply because so you can't get fancy. Uh, on a piece of wood with these paint sticks and and it just was like I stood back and I was like whoa I just did something like I just I just it was like um, it was like all this shit I've been trying to achieve in my paintings all these years like the space and the the cubist element like the three dimensionality um, all like whoop it just like happened in this sculpture and i figured they're also i see the figure in them too and that's always been a part of your work yeah the figure this first one i made was like a head like a mask kind of head looking thing and um it just was like you know when you just know you've done something that you'd want to do more of you know I'm i'm not saying i was like whoa this is so good i was just like Oh yeah, I want more of that. So I started um I just sort of dove in and uh and that that was a year ago. That was that was the that was like beginning of June twenty nineteen. So now it's July twenty twenty. It's been a fucking crazy year, obviously, but um I started working on sculptures and, and it just it just took me. Like I didn't I wasn't interested in painting anymore pretty soon after that. And I'm not saying I'm never going to paint again. I just really haven't painted since then. I've really put all my energy into exploring these, making these sculptures. Um, Well, it is painting too, right? I mean, it's it's very painterly, so it's not like you've lost that side. Yeah, no, and it's like, but it's the really basic, um, the the really pared down basic stuff of painting, like yeah. shape and color and texture, essentially. Um, and then I'm so I'm over the course of the past year, I've had you know I've been lucky enough to like encounter some people that know about wood and, and know about working with wood but i really haven't and have given me a lot of pointers my wife's uncle coincidentally is like a a wood he's a redwood guy up in mendocino california he's like the guy that like if your redwood tree is about to fall on your house like he'll come by himself and like fell you know take this redwood tree down and haul it away it's it's pretty amazing. He'll do it single-handedly. It's pretty amazing. So we went up there last summer, and he had set me up a little outdoor studio with all this wood that he had, like nice. had all these beautiful different kinds of woods, and <clears throat> showed me some stuff. And he was the first one to show me you could, you know, burn wood with a torch, and it looks really beautiful. 
Um, and so I've just been going for it, you know? Yeah. And it, I'm that's sort of where, too, like, that's how we got to today. Yeah. Well, the, the V1 guys, I mean, did you, did you ever say to them like, wow, that was a really, you know, Oh yeah, totally. Good idea. No, I'm super grateful to them. And, um, yeah, they, <clears throat> that first sculpture I made, they, um, they sold it like a week later or something to a great collector over there in Denmark. And it, you know, okay. Like I had had a lot of studio visits in that year and a half or two years leading up to when I started making the sculptures, I had a lot of people come to visit me out here or, um, I was, I, I did a thing where I took my work into LA and had a bunch of visits there. And, okay. Like I started to even get almost angry because I felt like people were always coming to my studio and asking me a million questions. <laughs> like I know, you know, like as, as a younger artist, of course, like you're, you need to know how to answer these questions. Right. But I was just kind of like, don't you, what, what do you not get? Like, you know, to me, it all felt really self-explanatory. And people were always asking me all these questions, you know, and when I started making this sculpture, like the first visit I had, where I just had maybe like five or six of them, um, the guy came in and he didn't have any questions. He just, and he was a, you know, like a pretty, he was like a seasoned curator, like he'd been around, you know, and he yeah. came in and he just started smiling and engaging and he didn't have one question for me. And I was really blown away. I was kind of like, it was like this light was like coming on inside of me. Cause I was just like, wow, like I've finally done something that I don't have to explain or defend. Or, I mean, and I'm not saying that's true. Of course I need to explain and defend it. But in that moment, it was the first time I'd had a studio visit where really it was just like the person started engaging immediately with the objects and discovering them for himself and, and, and being sort of delighted by it. Like, like you could see like these little like looks of joy. I and mean, he was like saying that, like, these just bring me joy. And like 10 years ago, I would have been like, fuck you. You know, like I don't, <laughs> that's not what I'm doing here you know but I've I've reached a point of surrender where I was just like you know what that's awesome like I'm I'm good with that um and anyhow that's just to say that I felt like when I started making these sculptures there was something happening the sculptures were doing something to the viewer and to me as, as the one making them that was really like very natural unforced um and uh didn't need to be explained or intellectualized it just had it was just doing what i feel like art what i want art to do when, yeah. when i encounter art you know you just kind of let it wash over you and you're just like stoked Right. or engage, engaged. And so that, that was a real red, like that was a signal to me that I was on the right path 
even though it was a path that I had no intention of being on, kind of like being in Joshua Tree, mm-hmm. I never wanted to live. I never had an intention of living out in the California desert, and I never had an intention of making sculptures. You know, that's just. But that's that's sort of the path I've ended up on, and it's just like you know, intuitively know it's where I. It, it's exactly where I'm supposed to be. Those are the best, um, I think. It's like the unforced, yeah. the unforced, uh, you know, decision to something that comes organically. Mm-hmm. Can, I never thought I'd do video stuff, and you know, I I accidentally yeah. came upon animating it. I never would have thought in art school if you would have told me like, yeah, you'll be make staring at a screen and making a lot of art on the computer. Yeah, thought, no way. But you know, some of those things just kind of creep up on you. But I think the thing that's really yeah. interesting about your sculpture is. And the idea of sculpture, sculpture inherently, I think, has, that's one of the values of it, is you, as a viewer, you come to it as a visceral object. Painting is in the coded language. As soon as you see something on a stretcher on the wall hanging, all of a sudden the language of painting becomes such a huge voice in your interpretation of that immediately. But with sculpture, for some reason, I think it's the physical body relationship to sculpture. Mm -hmm. You have a a more visceral reaction first and foremost. You can have just as much conceptual rigor in both of them or Mm -hmm. just as much physicality in both of them. But there's something about the interpretation of the viewer that's completely different with sculpture that I I think probably, you know, scratched that itch for you in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Trying to imagine. I mean, like there were definitely a few. Like Thomas Hausiago, I remember I saw a show of his once, and I've probably seen a few shows of his. But the first show of his I ever saw was Hauser and Worth in New York, and I I loved it. You know, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of his work. Um, and yeah, there's there. I don't know why I'm why am I mentioning that? Because yeah, you're right. It's there. There's a just a different like you engage with sculpture differently, just like you're saying, um, because you're not creating the illusion of a space. Um, you're not, well, maybe you are, but for my, for my work, I'm not, you're, you're not creating a a picture or the idea of a picture. Um, you're not confined to a square. You're not confined to the wall and you engage with it. Like, um, you know, these, my sculptures, I think it, and it's not necessarily intentional. I think it's just what happens is they have like a sort of beingness uh, all their own, you know? So people sort of engage with them like they would engage with an uh, animal or another person or something, yeah, yeah. you know, you kind of w- walk around it and look at it. And, um, you know, that's, that's really like, that's really like pure gold for me. Like when I see people engaging with, with these pieces in that way and then like walking around it seeing the back seeing um you know it's from it's like those really basic things that any sculptor would be like yeah that's just what a sculpture is but for me i'm a, a coming from being a painter my whole life it's like this whole new thing like oh wow i could i can make this sculpture it's like this way when you walk towards it but then when you walk away from it and look back it's this whole other thing and then and then you're hopefully going to walk back and re-engage with it. Um, it can have three sides. It can have four sides. It can have eight sides. You know, like there, it's it's just really, um, it's just really fun. I'm fun, isn't that? It's, 
people talk about having fun as are is that okay i mean it's just really fun like i hope um, so right i mean it should be yeah fun yeah <laughs> and you know making them is a whole that's a whole other aspect to it um and it was kind of like i i really was you know like when we first moved out here we had a wood burning stove and we would get firewood deliveries and I would save a, ton, a lot of the chunks of firewood. Cause I'd be like, this is too beautiful to burn. And I would just set it up around our property. And so there was, there was like all these little kind of things happening over the past few years that were like, that led me to this where I'm like, Oh yeah, that was, this was totally going to happen. Right. But leading, leading up to it, I just had no idea, you know, like I even had, um, have this acupuncturist here, who really changed my life when I started seeing her. Her name's Carolyn Cohen. And she's kind of like my guru in a lot of ways, but she's amazing. And the first time we met, she was just like, you need to, you know, she practices Chinese medicine and she'll sort of like read your, she'll like do muscle testing and read you, read your, your aura, not your aura, but like read your energy. And she's just like, I'm getting like, you need to be like engaged with the earth more. Like you need to be like lifting things and, and put and moving things and cutting things and, and like be engaged with like things coming out of the earth. And I'm like, huh? Okay. Yeah. You know? And then like six months later, I'm like lifting these big heavy logs of wood and moving them all <laughs> over my property. And, turning them upside down and then cutting them with this really heavy fucking chainsaw. And it's just like, it was like this immediate, like, ah, oh, yes. Like I've been waiting for this my whole life. Like I'm, I'm out here, I'm outside, I'm breathing in fresh air. I'm, I'm sort of using my body to conquer this hard thing that grew out of the earth. Um, trying to shape it into something, um, but also trying to let it be what it wants to be, you know, like I'm not trying to force it to be something that I needed to be, uh, which is what I felt like I was doing a lot as a painter. Um, so anyway, you know, all that's like just kind of, it was a really organic sort of road to making these that I did not expect to be on. Right. Um, but it's what happened. It's funny because uh, thinking about like Matisse or some of those early, you know, Bernard and I imagine some of that early stuff that, you know, that you're inspired by and that the stuff that you resonates with you um, yeah. happens, like can move over to people like Calder, who I always think mm -hmm. of Matisse and Calder as that kind of play with form and line and color. And uh, yeah. that, that Calder is almost like a sculptural painter, really. You know what I mean? He's yeah. like a minimal mm -hmm. sort of like abstract painter who does it in three dimensions that that kind yeah. of work would also, you know, be of interest to you. You know what I mean? There's a lot of sculptors who do that and kind of play with that form and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about uh, the Matisse cutouts lately and wondering, you know, I know he was doing them because he couldn't, he couldn't paint because he was like in a wheelchair. Right. Yep. Um, but you know, like those, some of those cutout works are just like, holy shit. I mean, they're so good, but they're so simple. I mean, I think there's something to, um, limiting your, 
like not limiting yourself, but like, like, you know, with those Matisse cutouts, it's like, he's limited to a piece of colored paper and a pair of scissors, you know, like he can't do any of those fancy Matisse tricks that he would do in a painting. But then when you look at the whole cutout that he's done, it, it, it does have all those Matisse tricks in it. It's just achieved uh, in a, with a different medium and maybe in a more direct manner um, than he would have with a painting. Right. Um, and I love Matisse. I love all Matisse. I'm not, I'm not like trying to say the cutouts are better or anything. I've just been thinking about them lately. And, you know, these sculptures are kind of similar where it's just like, I just have like a piece of wood and a chainsaw and that's really all I use and a torch, which is just more about, it's just really basic and simple and I can't get too fancy with it, you know, and I can't, um, and I, you know, the other thing is like, as a painter, I think I really never, I didn't really, I was really unforgiving of myself and like really critical of, of what I did. And as with these sculptures, it's like, not that I give myself a pass all the time, but it's just like, man, I don't know what I'm doing really. So I'm just going to play around. And, Um, and then when something's there, I kind of know it. It's like, I see it, you know, when you like, Oh, there it is. I didn't know I was looking for you, but there you are. You know, like I've, I've found you and I'm going to just allow you to be that thing you are, you know? Um, yeah. I can't be like, I'm going to, I'm going to make a sculpture of a, of a cactus or, or like a woman reclining on a couch. Like I can, you know, or like I'm going to make a sculpture of a cat. I just couldn't, I couldn't do that yet. I'm not there yet, you know? Um, So, so in a way, a lot of the the imagery and the forms that come through, it's it's like sort of because of my own limitations, but then there's something interesting to that. something that I just sort of let happen. You know, it reminds me of, I can't think of who it was, but I've actually heard of multiple people doing this over the course of the history, but it reminds me of like musicians who, will try to write who's like a guitarist like in a band they'll try to write Mm -hmm. melodies and songs with a piano because they're not Mm -hmm. great pianists so they're kind of limited so they can just get to Mm -hmm. that melody by plucking like you know just like hitting one note and the limitations of that other abilities on the piano can like simplify things in a way to where they could just play around without it yeah once you pick up the guitar it's in that history of Mm -hmm. guitar chords and you're you're naturally your hand moves in certain ways. So maybe there's, you know, something freeing about changing the medium and and expressing yourself in a different way. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's really, um, painting is a lot of pressure as you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, it is really freeing to just, do something you don't really know how to do. Um, you have a whole different attitude with it. You know I mean? Like our society is so obsessed with being good at something, being the best, the excellence. You know what I mean? Like our society is obsessed with it. 
the art world is obsessed with it. Um, like, oh my God, look how they did that. Can you, do you even know how they did it? Oh, I don't even know. You know, like, <laughs> it, I mean, and that's what it is. I mean, it's like, yeah, like you're, you're trying to create something excellent that blows people's minds. Right. Um, yeah. And I really, you know, like, honestly, that I put so much pressure on myself with painting because I didn't, I was, I'm essentially was like a self-taught painter too, in a lot of ways. I never had like a teacher uh, per se. I taught myself. And then at Micah, I didn't really take any painting classes. Um, I just like looked at a lot of other artists work and, and tried different things. And I don't know, you know, I, I just had this, I just put a lot of pressure on myself to make great paintings. Um, but then I kind of had these moments, like before I started doing the sculpture, it was like, fuck, I don't even know what a great painting is. You know, like, I don't even, like, there's so much else that could be happening in my work that I'm sort of denying because I'm obsessed with being great at this. And yeah. in reality, my my need to be great has probably limited me more than it's, it has limited me more than it's helped me. And I felt really kind of stuck and in, in, in a corner. And I, I mean, dude, I've been looking at some of my older, my paintings recently for various reasons and, and being in rediscover, getting some joy out of looking at, at them. Um, but the sculpture thing kind of presented itself. Like, it was like a window opened that I could like, and I just like stepped out the window into like fresh air again. It's yeah. just been a real, um, it's just been that kind of experience. Boy, with the so combination, really the combination of getting out of New York City, which I'm sure, like mm -hmm. I was going to mention it earlier, living out there, you must just feel healthier. I mean, the air's better. There's probably yeah. less stress because you know, like in the city, it's like going to the bodega can be a nightmare yeah. or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh my just, god! So the ride, the, my bike ride to the studio in Bushwick <laughs> used to just ruin. Like. My day was ruined at like nine by nine forty five a.m. Yeah, it's like uh, weird if your day like, isn't ruined by that time if you're commuting somewhere in New York City. <laughs> like, there's just gonna be something that happens that pisses you off. So the lack yeah, of like, stress in that, you know, it's like the health. It, you must be so much healthier, and then feeling liberated out of this. Like, I've got to make a masterpiece, and and being like, no, I'm just making this stuff, and I'm I'm just feeling good about it, and it's not like, well, is it? you know, a masterpiece of, you know, or it yeah. is living up to the expectations of all this other stuff. You must be in a better place just mentally. I mean, yes. Yeah, for sure. That wasn't as resounding um, as I thought it was. <laughs> well, you know what? It's like, no matter where you go, there you are. Yeah, you that's know? true. That's I mean, true. That, that, I, I'm, I'm a pretty, uh, I'm, I definitely prone to like overthinking and, and being miserable, like most <laughs> artists, I guess. Um, but you know, yeah, in general, I would say I'm happier here. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't miserable in New York. I was kind of becoming the guy though, that like, it was like, if you were eating Chinese food on the subway, I was like ready to fucking explode. You know, it's like, Oh my God. God, that person's eating 
like General Tso's chicken on the subway. Are you fucking kidding me? Like I would just get so angry and my wife would just be like, you need to calm down. Or like if, if like I'm trying to just buy like seltzer at the bodega and the guy in front of me is doing like 20 lottery tickets, you know, like I'm I'm getting angry just hearing that. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Right. And I would just want to fucking explode. And like, so (laughs) I don't, I don't get, I don't get that way as much here. Um, It's very spacious. I do, you know, we're two hours from LA. So I'm in LA a couple times a month. That's close. LA is, yeah, LA is two and a half. I can get there in two usually, um, or even less sometimes, but you know, LA is its own beast. Um, I've actually really grown to love the city and love the people and, and the art, the art scene in LA is really fun, interesting and weird and disjointed. And, but also it's like, just like New York, it's like really small and everybody knows each other and, everybody's up in each other's business but um anyway you know it's i i am happier here i mean i have like uh i have certain practices i do to keep myself sort of grounded and and you know i'm really close to nature here um also being in california it's like where i live here in, in joshua tree it's, it's beautiful and it's like a tourist destination all its own now uh but I can be at the beach in two and a half hours. I can be in the mountains in two hours. I can be in Arizona in two hours, like at the desolate, you know, it's like, you're really kind of like, you can just get your car and go to like a different climate almost depending on which direction you drive in, Yeah, uh, which is really awesome. And, um, but living here, it really has its own set of frustrations. I mean, it's, it's like hot as fuck in the summer. It's cold in the winter. It's rainy in the winter. Like you can, your whole, I mean, I have friends who had like a mudslide come through their living room a couple of years ago. Like you're really at odds with the elements here. Um, so it can be frustrating because my studio is, it's like a garage essentially. And it's, it's, um, it's so, if it's cold, my studio is cold. If it's hot, my studio is hot. Yeah. If it's windy, which is another thing that people don't know so much maybe about the desert is that it's so fucking windy. Um, not just like a breeze. I'm talking like gale force winds that will yeah. like blow you over. And um, it, 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 it's really frustrating. You'll have like three or four days straight of wind and it drives people nuts. It's It's so it's so annoying and it kicks up all this dust and it makes you feel sick. So, you know, and I have really bad allergies living out here, which I never had before that kind of like kick my ass in the spring. And it's just weird. Um, and you know, it's like, it's interesting though, because, um, you know, like in the summers right now, it's like, if I want to get some work done, um, I got to be up uh, at like 6 a.m., you know, yeah. and, and do my thing and have my coffee and be out there working before the sun, before like by 10 a.m., it, it's so hot and the sun's just beating down on me yeah. and I can't, you know. So it's it, my, my work is always out here, 
even when I was making paintings, like it's tied to the elements, you know, definitely in, in a lot of different ways. Yeah. It's so funny because people in New York think, Oh, you go out to the desert, you escaped <laughs> all the, you know, the blizzards mm -hmm. and the crazy weather. But yeah, I guess anywhere, like, uh, you, like you said, anywhere you go, you're, there's going to be something. Right? Yeah. Well, look, the, okay. A job, the desert, this, I, this desert in particular, it's the only one I've ever lived in, but it, you have to be hardy like a New Yorker to fucking live here. Yeah. I mean, people come out here from LA where LA is like 70 degrees and sunny pretty much every day. And you've got a juice place and a coffee place and a, <laughs> a good restaurant on every corner. People come out here and think like, Oh my God, in the desert. Yeah. This is where I want to be. And after like three days, they're like, no, I'm going back to LA because right. you know, there's like three restaurants. None of them are, one of them is good. Maybe two of them are good. There's even less restaurants now because the places are closing because of the COVID. Um, right. there, there's, you know, it's, it's like, um, you have to be, you have, it's like New York. I always just say to people, you have to love New York to live in New York. You have to want to be there. Otherwise go home because it's too fucking hard. You, you give too much of yourself to live there and if you don't love it on, some, on a few different intrinsic levels, then you don't need to be there, you know? And the desert is the same way. It's like, you, if you're going to, like, settle down here and, and own, a, own a property, own a house and all that, like, you got to love it because it's a pain in the ass. We yeah. have, uh, you know, my, my wife the other day uh, opened up the door to her office and there's just, like, a snake in the middle of the floor, <laughs> you know? I, I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a rattlesnake but it was a snake. I mean, the cute snake, we just picked it up and put it outside, but things just come in your house, like spiders, snakes, scorpions, you know, um, the wind can blow the roof off your house. That's never happened to us. Thank God. But like the, the rain will, I mean, it, 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 you're, you're really battling with the elements or trying to live um, alongside the elements Yeah. here in the animals too, all the critters, all the, coyotes and rabbits and uh, quail. It's so beautiful, but then it can also, you know, you, you can wake up with a crazy animal in your house. Yeah, I guess it's just a little <laughs> unsettling, right? Like you feel like you don't own that space to yourself. <laughs> Someone might come yeah. in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's just different, but it's not that it's weird. There are a lot of weird uh, parallels with New York City. Yeah, I think I could you see know, that. You, you, you've got to. Yeah, it's not like I think people think like, oh, like you're living in California. It's just must be so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've never lived in L.A., so I can't say. But here it's just um, L.A. has its own set of frustrations that we don't need to talk about because everybody knows it's like traffic and yeah. that kind of shit douchebags <laughs> <laughs> new york is full of douchebags now too so that's frustrating i know um <laughs> you can edit that out but um <laughs> not there, to keep there's yeah there there's uh yeah there's there's uh there's similarities to living here that's in new york you really have to want to be here i think that's you know it, 
that that's what's happened with the the quarantine and COVID. I think a lot of people in the city are like, oh, we got to get out of here. We need somewhere with yeah. Because like if we can't yeah. go anywhere, or do anything, you know, so people want to get out. Yeah. And I think there's totally. there's really that discussion going on now of like what's better to be out in nature or to be in the city. And you know, a lot of people are feeling that yeah. escaping out, but. You know, I just think there's pluses and minuses to both. It's going to even out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I I do have to say that, you know, this whole quarantine thing has, I mean, I felt really lucky. We felt really lucky and grateful to, that we were here. Yeah. Um, and, and really felt for our friends in New York and our people in New York because, you know, we, we're home, but I have five acres. I mean, we live on five acres. Like, my studio is here, um, like, 20 steps from my house. So, there, the, across the road from us is a, a, land, a land preserve that bleeds into the Joshua Tree National Park. So, we essentially, like, live almost in the park, in a way. And, and like, there's just hikes all over. So, we, you know, it's like quarantine was tough for everybody it was tough for us or is tough um but i could be we could be outside and, and just hiking and, and and getting fresh air at least the whole time yeah that's big when um, you're stuck in a new york city apartment for like yeah you know, man months. I, god i know it was brutal I feel, I feel for you guys i know i was really um i couldn't even imagine honestly um and my well, heart was really like breaking for the city, you know, it was just like, wow, I just can't, I, I was just felt really sad watching it from afar. Um, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, true to form though, New Yorkers kind of handled business, you know, they yep. just adapt exactly. to it. They're resilient, exactly. you know. Yes, yes. And then sir. everyone else is like throwing them under the bus at the beginning. And then just like everything else in the country, it comes to New York or LA. Yeah. It comes to the cities first and then it trickles out. And they're like, oh, you yeah. city people. Next thing you know, it's trickled out to all, yeah. the, way down oh, yeah. to, all the way down to Florida. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Are you ever, uh, <laughs> are you ever tempted to, to build like a really strong studio on all that land to where it could withstand the oh, elements yeah. like completely like concrete oh, yeah. or something well yeah no my studio my studio doesn't it can withstand the elements it's just it, like it floods if there's rain it'll flood um it's all shit that i could totally have dealt with up to now but i'm really uh i've had the money to do it and everything i just like really hate like the idea of having to like not like not being able to be in my studio for two weeks or a month because someone's in there working to to make it better like freaks me out so much. I just yeah. kind of haven't. Um... Anyway, to answer your question, yes, <laughs> and that's gonna happen someday, probably pretty soon, where I'm gonna need to build a structure like from scratch probably or build on to my studio now that's completely um that's a different setup because the with with making these sculptures it's a, it's a different um it's a whole different thing like i make them outside and then i bring them inside to, to paint them and, and do the details on them and then they need to dry um inside because if they're outside the dust will blow and 
the wind will blow them over, the dust will blow into them. And there's a whole thing. I, I have a whole like plan I'm formulating and we have a guy who's renovating our bathroom right now. That's really good. And he's going to, I think, help me figure out a really good, um, way to redo my studio that'll work better for me ideally what i would have would be like an airplane hanger you know what i'm saying oh yeah definitely right <laughs> that's that's the right. the the visual fantasy like when i think about the desert yeah. you think well of course there's probably more space mm-hmm. and then i just imagine this hyper minimal like concrete foundation mm-hmm. and then one side could open up like a garage door and you could extend that outdoor area but then you you know which yep. where you could be in and out, but you the light must be great there, right? Oh yeah, no, the light's amazing. Um, you know, it's it, in the in the fall and spring, especially in the winter, it's really it's really beautiful. Yeah. The summer is a is a whole different <laughs> it's a whole different thing, and because um, it, it is like from like eleven a.m. to like now like six thirty, seven p.m it's off limits it's, <laughs> it's just hot you know yeah and some people love it and some i've got i'm used i'm getting used to it but working in it is like you know it can be it can be tough like i'm not out in my studio at two two or three in the afternoon no way yeah that's uh, that would be brutal. I had a, a studio in Bushwick that was on the second floor of a building. It was a two-floor building, and the roof was like in the studio. It was just the wood that held up the blacktop on the roof, and there were yeah. no windows and there was no air conditioning. So oh, in the God. summer, that thing would just cook like a Dutch <laughs> oven, and yeah. I would not be in the studio from basically like ten ten a.m. until around eight p.m. And, uh, and then I would just work all night. Yeah. It was brutal. You couldn't work during the day. You would just slow down to like, basically like a tortoise face, you know, you couldn't move. You just sweat. Mm -hmm. I had a box fan that was just on my face. If I was ever there during the day. (laughs) I I had my studio Bushwick was the same thing. It had no windows. Um, I remember that space. It was like tucked inside another space. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. It was like in the middle of the floor, like right. they built this studio out in the middle. So all the other studios had windows, not all of them, but a lot, most of them. And um, yeah, I just, yeah, I had one box fan just like blowing in at me, but I would be in there working. I mean, I just, yeah, I'd be in there painting, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, in the afternoons, I wouldn't, wouldn't be so much, but, um, but in New York, like, it's so humid. It kind of doesn't matter. Like here, um, it really cools down. Like right now, it's 7.30 here. The sun is just about to go behind the mountains uh, to the west. And as soon as they do, it will cool down like 10 degrees. It's so nice. And then the nights are like beautiful. And yeah. they're really good for working. You really can get into... Uh, a certain and, and when I was painting I worked at night a lot in the summer I'd, I'd be out there all night but now you know with the, the chainsawing and stuff I can't really do that at night yeah but I can anyhow uh, but in New York the, the the nights were even hot and humid a lot of the time <laughs> it's not even it in New York as you know like 
it's not even a hot day and it's hot. Like it'll be 78 and uh-huh. really humid and you walk outside mm-hmm. and you're instantly sweating. It's like you're living in an armpit Swamp or something. Ass. I know. <laughs> oh my terrible. God. Oh, good yeah, stuff. I was, I, I do remember all of that very well. <laughs> <laughs> As you sip a nice tea on the, the cool nights in the desert. It uh, sounds so yeah, nice. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, I'm, I love, I miss New York. I love New York. I don't consider, I, the first few years here, I was in New York a lot, and I just kind of considered myself to be a New Yorker that was currently living in the desert. Right. And I'm sure this is how, this is kind of how it is when you come, because it's such a way of life in New York, and you, you work so hard to, like, carve out a space for yourself there and make a life for yourself and um that you just it's a slow process of letting it go um and now i really consider myself i'm like such a california guy now i'm sorry i mean i just like (laughs) (laughs) the shame hit your face so fast after you said (laughs) well it's really funny because the last couple of years before I left New York, I started like I grew my hair long and had a beard. I started wearing like turquoise jewelry and stuff. And I would run into people on the street in Brooklyn and they'd be like, How long have you been living in LA? <laughs> and I'm like, I live like three blocks from here. What are you talking about? They're like, Oh, you just look you just look like you live in LA. And I'd be like, Fuck you, you know? And <laughs> But I think I was kind of like living in California in my mind already in a way. Your mind um, moved before your body did. Kind of. It did. And then once I was here, it was like, oh, right. Um, and now I'm like, yeah, I'm like that. You know, we, I always joke with uh, my wife about that. You know, that um, Saturday Night Live skit, the Californians. Oh, yeah. Where they're like, uh like I'm that dude now. I'm like, oh no, no, no! You just like take the ten to the fifteen to the, <laughs> or like you know, you take like the four or five to the blah blah blah. And like uh, when I'm in, you know, it's like you just it just what happens, I guess. But you know, being being in being in nature and in a quiet environment is really important to me now. Um, it just. It feeds feeds my work. It keeps me calm. Um, but I also love going into LA and like getting just like getting into the, like the the scrum of it as well. You know, yeah. I mean, well, it's nice. You're LA, close. I mean, it's not that yeah, far. Totally. Yeah. 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 It's it's it's. I, if it wasn't so close, I don't know if I'd be able to do. Be able to be out here. You right. know, it's like you can kind of get the best of both worlds um, going back and forth. So listen, there's like, there's places in the tri-state area that there's a two hour commute to the center of the city of New York. You know what I mean? Like if you're out in Long Island yeah. far, oh, yeah. you, you could be yeah, further, yeah, yeah. but you're still in New York city. So yeah, absolutely. That Californians skit is a great full circle for this conversation because you know, Fred yeah. Armisen, <laughs> Fred Armisen, who's in that skit, who was oh, in yeah. Trenchmouth, you know, he played yes. uh, drums in Trenchmouth, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they must have played with Hoover at some point. Oh, yeah, because they were on Discord. 
And I remember Trench Mouse. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. You know, it's. It, hopefully, I I gave you. I don't know. Did I talk enough about my work and my process? <laughs> and I don't know. My, my, my experience of being an artist. I feel like I, feel like I talked about kind of all, everything else more. But um, well, I, that's what I like to talk. To. I mean, this this podcast is about talking to people about just that. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know. Most of the times when artists talk, it's that, you know, interview, you know, the one that everyone does, yeah. like, how do yeah, you, think, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever, the same questions. But when do you ever get to just hear talk, artists like BS about life? And, yeah. And, you know, yeah. I think that's important. That's usually what I'm talking about when I go do studio visits or hang out with people. It's not, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. not to contradict your, I, yeah, you do talk a little bit about art stuff or whatever, but I don't know when I'm around friends who are artists or we just talk about day-to-day crap you know yeah i know it's i think it's also about a little bit about you know getting older and like calmer you know i hate to say that it sounds so boring but like when i was in my 20s and and early 30s and i was just like i was like a fucking i was like a busy bee you know i was just like like i just was buzzing and you know i was and I remember I would like be hanging out with people who were older, maybe who are like my age now. And they would be looking at me like, what the fuck is up with this guy? You know? And I'd be like, what's wrong with these old people? Why are they looking at me that way? And now, like I, I, I do that when I'm, when I'm around like 28 year old, I'm just yeah. like, whoa, like you are like, uh, full force assault right now, you know, like, and, and I, you know, I used to feel so much pressure to like say something smart and like know about something other people don't know about. And, <laughs> you know, and, and now I'm, I'm more just like, eh, whatever, you know, like it, it, it is, it is almost as interesting to me to talk about like, um, what, like, it, like LA traffic. <laughs> That's age right there. When you talk about uh, weather all the time, old people yeah. love to talk about the weather. And sometimes oh, I'll man. be talking to my yeah. wife or my, my in-laws or something about the weather. And I'll look at my son and he'll, you know, he's thinking like, yeah, who the hell cares about the, like, why I know. are you talking about the weather? But it is, it is important. It is. I know. I mean, my my wife Dana always talks about how when she, she and I first got together, she lived in L.A. And I lived in New York. She would come visit me, and she I was like twenty five, twenty six. She's like, you were like, you were kind of like a like a feral animal, you know. You're like, <laughs> and it didn't matter what the weather was. I was always wearing the same thing, whether it was summer or the dead of fucking winter. I would just be wearing like tight jeans. And like loafers, you know, that had like a hole worn in the bottom of them. Even if it was raining, I would be wearing those loafers <laughs> with like the fucking New York street water coming up in my shoes and like some kind of blazer that was just covered in stains. And like, I, I didn't, the weather didn't really occur to me much, you know, those first right. few years in New York, you're just kind of running on like energy. You just have youth energy, you know, and then, yeah, now fast forward, it's like, 
I could totally talk to you about the weather for another hour <laughs> if you wanted. I did talk about the weather a lot. In this, I think we did. Uh, I think we've established, <laughs> this conversation is established that we're getting old, man. <laughs> but am I the first artist to talk about allergies? No, I don't think <laughs> so. I don't think so. I think allergies has come up before. Maybe not. Okay. You might have you might have christened right. the, the podcast with allergy talk. Yeah. Aller allergy, listen, allergies yeah. are real. We'll do an offshoot podcast called Allergy Talk. Artists That's... talk about their allergies. Uh hyperallergic, we'll call it. I, ooh, <laughs> oh shit. That's art talk. That's that was dude, that's a good one. Okay. <laughs> that podcast is taken. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, man. Well, I hope I gave you. You feel free to edit me as as you see fit. I hope I gave you some decent material to look. To, it was uh, it was great to catch up. That was really yeah. what this is about. It was nice to just talk to you, man. Yeah, man. We need. I was catching up with Guy and I the other day. Um, my brother. Over chatting on instagram i haven't seen him in a in a minute uh matt mignanelli yeah i haven't seen him in a while um but anyway we should just catch up on the phone sometime definitely regardless. yeah for sure we should do one of these and, uh, you know like those old dinners we do like do one of those over i mean that's it i know it's oh, yeah but doing it online yeah, you know why not we should we should see this guy um uh, I know he's in like a way different time zone, but that would be fun. We could yeah, have we like it. a little, have a little uh, steak dinner on Zoom. That'd be nice. Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw up in my mouth a little bit. A Zoom cocktail party. <laughs> <laughs> Hell oh, yeah, dude! <laughs> but yeah, we should, we'll do that. Um, before right, before we go, like what what is for the viewers? They can find your work. You're on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. Gallery. Yeah, you can go, um, my website is ryanschneiderart.com. My Instagram is at ryan underscore schneider underscore. And I just had a show at ga a gallery called Over the Influence in Los Angeles. Um, was up in June. And their website has, like, you know, you can go to their website and the show is up on there with all the images and that's the most recent um, sculptural images. Nice. If you want to see those, in V one, you can go to their website too, and there's a lot of paintings on there. So, which is funny I'll, because I'll, they they push the sculpture. I, I know, <laughs> I know. I'm sure they'll have some sculptures up there soon. Hey, that Picasso <laughs> show! They were right. That Picasso show was so good at MoMA. That was MoMA. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I saw it in New York, and I think they saw it maybe in, in it must have been in Copenhagen. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure, but. Good stuff. All right, man. Cool, man. That was really fun. Thank you yeah. so much for asking me. It was great to chat.